Good morning. I am Adeline Lawson. You might not know this, but Richard, the dean, is my dad. And I am so excited to be here. I am a cradle Episcopalian. Go figure. And that alone is what God has given me that is greater than all else. In today's gospel reading, Jesus states that what his father has given him is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it from the father's hand. My memories of the churches that I have been a part of can never be taken from me, and God has given me these memories as something to cherish forever. I started my journey as an Episcopalian at a tiny church in the small town of Decatur, Alabama. Oddly enough, when I think about St. John's Decatur, the piscina, dollar bills, and being barefoot come to mind. I don't know why I remember this so vividly, but I remember after almost every service watching the wine be poured down the piscina to return back to earth. After watching this, oh, so exciting occurrence, I would run to the back of the church where a sweet old man named Art Jordan would give me and my brother Evans a dollar bill each Sunday. (laughs) Lastly, I remember that during the summer, I would get to go to church barefoot. While this may seem stereotypically Southern, I loved it. I loved that it allowed me to feel at home in church, which was important at an age when God seemed like a big, scary man far, far away. My next church in Memphis, Tennessee, was Grace St. Luke's Episcopal Church and School. I not only went to church at GSL every Sunday, but I was also there every weekday from 4th to 8th grade. This connection between church and school meant that all aspects of my life were related. At GSL, I remember being an acolyte and working my way up the totem pole from torchbearer to chalice bearer, which I was quite proud of. However, my most prominent memories of Grace St. Luke's are due to the many extravagant personalities there. On the staff at GSL, there were two rather unique people named Linda and Wesley, whom I learned to appreciate for their ability to show how the sacred and absurd belong together. Both Linda and Wesley added so much humor to the community. During our fifth year at GSL, there were major renovations taking place in the church. Linda and Wesley got the contractor to move a urinal into my dad's office. (laughs) Next, they placed the infant Jesus of Prague on top of the urinal with prayer cards as a special shrine. For those of you who don't know what the infant Jesus of Prague looks like, I think he's pretty creepy. And that made it all the more entertaining. Throughout the week, people would stop by while I was in the office just to take pictures of the shrine. These memories from Grace St. Luke's correspond with my age at the time, as does what I appreciate about St. John's Cathedral. As I walked into St. John's for the first time last year, I was struck by the beauty, and I will remember this feeling forever. It is simply breathtaking. I adore the awe-inspiring architecture of this church and its ability to remind me of God's beauty. Now, as an 18-year-old, I am able to appreciate the impact that this beauty has on worship. 
I also love the frequent use of incense. The incense brings me great joy and allows me to appreciate special services that much more. Within all of these churches, I have had the unique experience of having the same priest every Sunday. (laughs) While my surroundings have changed, I have always heard the same comforting voice that y'all have come to love along with me. At each new church, my mom has also sat next to me every Sunday. She has been a constant in the pews while my dad has been in the pulpit. As I move on to college next year, I will greatly miss my dad, who has been a main part in my journey as an Episcopalian thus far. My dad has helped me to learn the voice of God as a guiding shepherd. He embodies what it is to live like Christ, therefore helping me understand what throughout my life the Good Shepherd has said to me. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Ben Keyes. Um, and while I am not the dean's son, <laughs> I am the senior warden's son. <laughs> so if you're worried about any kind of nepotism, you should be. But at least I didn't go to Swanee. <clears throat> Those of you who know me know that I grew up here, that I have my best friends here, that I've prayed, played, sung, danced, listened, and eaten within these walls since before I could even see them. Some of you know that my parents met here, that they were married here, They baptized my brothers here, and they will probably be buried here. But when you belong somewhere since before you can see it, you see it, but you don't notice. You hear, but you do not listen. Now that I'm about to make my journey away from home, I prepare myself to leave St. John's behind. I speak my senior sermon from the pulpit here, and for the first time, I face the congregation from this perspective, and I see it differently. I have always marveled at the phenomenon of noticing that which you are most accustomed to with new light, your family, your life, and your home. For those of you who know me very well, or have had the misfortune of sitting behind me on any given Sunday, know that I can't make it through church without writing. Kidsword, a wonderful tool of Christian propaganda, preys on the propensity of children to distract themselves with coloring by providing such an outlet with religious images and stories so that they are subconsciously indoctrinated with the good word, (laughs) like a pill and peanut butter. That's what I would have told you when I was eight years old anyway. Not that it's any less true. But you know, I thought that if I colored outside of the lines and subverted the religious imagery and distorted its meaning that I could resist the mind control of the oppressive elders. (laughs) And that pattern continued through my preteen and teenage years. I graduated from crayons to pens, writing my commentary on the liturgy, correcting the typos, creating pictures and words independent of what I perceived to be a rigid ritual waging war on creativity. All I can say is that I'm glad that I grew up in the Episcopal Church at St. John's in particular. My buttocks were never bruised for my heresy. 
and my leaders and parents welcomed my criticism and questioning. My mother told me on Sunday mornings that I didn't have to believe what I heard, but that I had to go. And now, as I look at this gospel, I shudder at what some may interpret as Christ's qualification of his followers as a chosen or exalted group, exclusive and empowered by their blind reverence. An eight-year-old inside of me screams. Pink Floyd's sheep rings inside of my head. And I am tempted by the cynical, reductive reading of Christianity's entitled following. Jesus says, I told you, but you do not believe. He says that his sheep hear what others do not. And I see myself restless here, week after week, feeling as if my internal radio is tuned to a different frequency than the grown men and women around me on their knees. But very truly, I tell you, it wasn't the voice of the good shepherd which brought me back willingly over time, but the warmth of the flock, whose voices were clear and bright, whose voices I had always known. My friends, my family, my community are the loving hook which lead me to green pastures, as the good shepherd does in the parable, the parable which we keep in gold boxes in the adjacent building. Parables come in gold boxes because they are more valuable than gold. I must have heard that about a thousand times in godly play. But what does a parable mean to a child looking at a piece of fabric if he doesn't see the shepherd represented in the people around him? My, first, my trust came from first for the tangible world, which spoke to me, answered my questions, welcomed my doubt, and pushed me to think about what I believed. And I wouldn't have this development any other way. Many of you have probably heard this psalm. Some of us say it every week. It's called, I Grew Up Catholic. I'm joking, of course, for those of you who are combing through your BCPs. What I mean is that having a space which positively reinforced the teachings of the gospel by example and not by shame or fear coming from the pulpit, I could find a path for myself and come to believe on my own terms and make my faith stronger by having the space to explore why I think what I think. So many of my friends grew to have faith blindly, believing that that was the only choice. And when the subconscious never accepts what the conscious wills it to, we become exhausted. And that's why so many of us are what we call recovering Catholics. I believe because now I have come to notice, at the door of the next stage, my community, which is founded on the unconditional love of each other, who engage in ritual to connect to the real world and with their neighbors. I have not seen the shepherd, though I know the wolves well. But being here, just being here, thinking and wondering and questioning has given me the space to listen, listen to the voice of the shepherd. On Palm Sunday, a few weeks ago, the day of my parents' first date, I drove myself to the wilderness because something called me, and I listened. And what I heard was, when the saints go marching in, played by the jazz band at the wilderness, they played as we marched, a swinging, offset march of joy and celebration through the back doors of the cathedral. I heard the singing and I sung. I saw the light streaming through the stained glass of the west, amplified by the swirling incense in the air. Very truly, I tell you, I heard the voice of Jesus in a big fat tuba and I followed. 